Thank you, one person's. Oh, there we go. Hey, good morning, it's good to be with you. And welcome to those that are watching online, um, particularly Grace Village, which I recently learned uh, watches back this video in the evening. Uh, so welcome to you as well. Um, the redemptive hope of this series is that we reflect our Father, Yahweh, in his generosity. Uh, if you've been tracking, you know that for each of the last two building campaigns, we did a generosity series with it. And the reality is that we should have been continuing to teach on it regularly over the last several years. But we haven't. And now here we are, the night before a test, cramming. <laughs> Our concern, the peril at hand, is that we somehow communicate that generosity, that the generosity that really matters is financial to this project now. But the truth is that Bruce's heart last time and Kip's heart this time, as best I can tell, I've not been given a word from the Lord, is that we, their heart is that we genuinely understand that holistic, whole person generosity to God is what we're after. And that this building project is just a teaching lab. It is a unique opportunity to consider what scripture teaches about generosity, both regarding physical resources as well as spiritual. And so let me start the sermon with my thoughts on how to be generous towards this project. Just Sam's thoughts. If you are tithing, and if you want to know why you should tithe, I've got a sermon down here that I gave in 2019. I'm happy to make you a photocopy. If you are tithing and your financial stewardship has your budget in a healthy, God-honoring position, I encourage you to pray with your spouse, assuming you have one, um, about what extra you should give. But money is the least of my concerns on this project. Seriously. How so? Well, my answer is that the pastors and elders, and I'm one of them, um, have been praying and discussing this venture for the last few years and have worked with wise outside counsel to evaluate options and strategy, and we unanimously voted that this is a direction that God is leading us. And if so, it's possible that we're wrong, but if so, he will resource it. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he can make as many hills as he likes. We bring only what is his. The more important way to be generous in this campaign is in your prayers and grace. Give generously of your time to pray for your leaders, because we will give an account. Pray for wisdom, for humility, for strength, for holiness and give generously of your grace. There is no perfect plan, no perfect strategy, no perfect communication, no perfect implementation. This project is a perfect time for our enemy to stir fracture and hurt. 
Give of love that hopes and assumes the best, and give of your time to have the conversations that you need to have in order to preserve unity. Why be generous? It's probably worth uh, defining generosity first, because definition matters. Um, And this one you know is right because it comes from Google. But I like it. Um, I would suggest that generosity is giving more than is strictly necessary. So, there's an amount or there's things in our lives, affection, care, time, communication that we have to give, bare minimum. Generosity is what we give beyond that. All right, so why be generous? My first answer um, is duh. But there's a part two to it. Uh, Duh, we've been commanded to be generous. Um, This is found um, all throughout scripture. We see generosity Um, is modeled and expected. There are lots of passages that talk about it in different ways. Um, But this one from 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18 says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. All right, so we're done. (laughs) Have a good week. Uh, We're not quite done because I have more time. No, there's, here's the reality. We could be done here. If God says, I was talking with someone lately, I don't remember what the topic was. Oh, I do now and I can't share it. Okay, but I was talking. (laughs) I was talking with someone, and they said what they had decided to do in the midst of a, of a, um, a situation in which they uh, made for themselves, and they told me what they were doing, and then what they were going to do was, gonna, was going to honor God, and I said, that is fantastic. I said, let me affirm you in that. That is your only, you know, obedience is our only response to God. Um, but God is so kind God is so kind. Usually, he does not leave it at because I said so. Does he have the authority to do so? Yes, he made us. But he doesn't usually leave it there. And so there are some other reasons um, that I think we should be generous. Um, Acts of generosity will produce a rich reward that cannot be lost. That same passage that we were just reading about that says those who are rich in this world. By the way, um, that's the 1%, right? No. If if you have had time to um, watch Netflix lately, if you have had time to play some video games, if you've had time to go out um, and go skiing, if you've had free time and you're not subsistence living and making sure that you're harvesting and gathering and right now we're in the middle, well, it's a warm spring, uh, you're, you're getting out there. If you're not subsistence living, we're rich. We in America are rich. And I understand that it doesn't mean that we all have the same level of resources and that there can be uh, very difficult challenges. Our, our community is going through more layoffs. Um, we understand that. But we fall into generically that category of rich. All right, so, um, but it goes on, First Timothy 6, 19, 
In this way, when, when the, uh, the rich are generous, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Acts of generosity produce a rich reward that cannot be lost. Jesus in Luke 12, and by the way, my notes will be on the, um, the website or you can get them from me afterwards if you want all the references. Um, Luke 12, Jesus is teaching and a man yells out, uh, tell my brother to split the inheritance. <laughs> Which would be really fun if that happened during a sermon. And um, Jesus said, hey, who made me judge and arbiter between you? It's a really, really funny response because the father did. Uh, Jesus really was. Um, and Jesus goes on to talk about uh, love of money, um, and how God is going to take care of us. But he goes, uh, Luke summarizes it, uh, Jesus' words this way, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. When we are generous with our money, with our time, with our energy, um, with our affection, we are laying up treasure in heaven. And just the real question that we have to ask ourselves is, do I want my reward now or do I want it forever? That's a question that we need to be uh, asking ourselves. It's a pretty obvious answer, but the, the answer of I want it now is the one that feels right. Uh, that's the one that is uh, most attractive and appealing to us typically. Uh, another reason that we should be giving generously, when we sh why we should be generous, is that you'll become like Yahweh as you imitate him. Um, the book of Ephesians multiple times has a phrase like this at the beginning, follow God's example, or be like God, it says. Over and over again, it says that. Our call is to imitate Yahweh, uh, and Jesus is God made flesh um, and lived an example that we could see that was um, most like something that we can understand. And as we are generous, we become like Jesus. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. When we imitate Yahweh, that is the highest form of flattery, and it transforms us, uh, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 8, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I'd like you to notice something here, that the text does not say Jesus felt poor, but he became poor. Generosity is not about feelings. Our series is not about helping you to feel generous. Um, I did a series in 2019 in which I put up a quote from C.S. Lewis, fake it till you make it, baby. Went over like a lead balloon in that, so I decided not to reuse the joke this time. I've grown in wisdom. Um, but C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, uh, does explain that we often do not feel like the Christians that we are called to be. And that in those conditions, 
we do not let our feelings guide us, but rather we let obedience guide us. And the hope is that maybe the feelings catch up. But if they don't, it doesn't matter. Because Christ did not feel poor for us, he became poor for us. It's actions that matter. In our current era, feelings and intent are flags of virtue that we can throw up uh, and that make me want to throw up. But the reality is that actions are what matter. Actions are what make us like Christ. Actions are what are attractional. Thoughts and prayers, I do not mock thoughts and prayers. Um, but if the thoughts, so if the thoughts and prayers are for someone on the other side of the world that you can't interact with, great. If thoughts and prayers are for your spouse who's struggling with something, insufficient. Let those thoughts and prayers take action. And that's the way it is with generosity. Um, several years ago, Jesse DeLow and speaking team said that you obey your way to feelings, and that is true. Fourth, <clears throat> why be generous? Because acts of generosity draw a body together in love and worship. I have seen repeatedly that when a church goes through a hard time together, when they rally around a person or a family um, or a group of people, it draws that body together in love and affection. Uh, Paul, again, says it this way in 2 Corinthians 9, you will be enriched in every way. He's talking about a gift, and Bruce is going to preach on this next week, so I'm trying not to say too much about it. Um, but this is when they get, they've sent a gift or are going to send a gift. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in, look at that word, thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. The hope of generosity is, or a hope of generosity, is that God gets credit. That thanks is pointed at him, not thanks at us. If we receive our thanks here, uh, what a pitiful place to receive it. Uh, but hopefully it will... Um, spread out in thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Do you see what Paul's talking about? That as they gave, God was going to receive credit. People were going to see their obedience. They were going to be joyful. They were going to pray for them. Uh, hearts were going to be connected. Lives were going to be connected. Um, one could almost say that maybe friendships would be uh, growing and developing in the midst of that that point us towards our common goals. With the current round of layoffs here in uh, Warsaw, we are going to have these opportunities within our church and across churches in the community um, in the coming weeks, months, and years. Um, and so I would encourage you to be watching for those opportunities as well uh, and more from, again, Bruce is gonna preach on this next week, so I will let it go. Fifth, and this is the title of the sermon, you can turn to 1 Chronicles 29. When you think of joyful generosity, you immediately think of 1 Chronicles 29. 
I know some of you broke off of your regular scripture reading just to hit 1 Chronicles 29 this morning. Um, here, David wanted to build the temple. He was very excited about it, and God told him no uh, because he had blood on his hands. And so instead, he starts uh, putting together resources for it. And um, you can read it yourself. Um, but David gives his gifts in, in uh, chapter 29, verses 1 and following, down to verse 5. Then the leaders of the family, the officers and tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. And they gave towards the work of the temple of God. And then it gives you the amounts. And it's tons and tons of materials. And anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury. Verse 9. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to Yahweh. And David the king also rejoiced. When we are generous, joy follows. Maybe not immediately, uh, we don't know when, but joy follows. Notice I'm not saying happiness follows. Generosity will not always um, evoke euphoria and happiness. Um, that is a chemical reaction. And a chemical reaction can maybe maim joy, uh, but joy uh, is not dependent on a chemical reaction. And a chemical reaction does not mean that there is joy. Um, what I thought was great about this passage that we just read, it said that the people rejoiced when they saw uh, the willingness. Our building program and the temple are not equivalent. This, this sermon is not about, hey, they did it and they were joyful, so should you. What I want you to see in that experience is that they were commanded to build the temple. And what did the leaders do? They obeyed. And the people rejoiced when they saw obedience. We are commanded to be generous. Yes, with our money. Yes, with our time, with our affection, with our concern, with our energy. And when we do that, we are obedient. And joy follows obedience. Uh, we're going to watch a video that um, if you've came to practicum, you've seen, and it has a song that we listen to quite a bit, The Doxology by Stars Go Dim. Um, this is a video of, of uh, how small we are and how big Yahweh is. Um, and we're going to start with some of the small things in our verse and go out. It's about four and a half minutes. Enjoy. Father, Son, and Holy 
How big is God? Um, so this is a prayer that David um, prays following our, our story there. And this is essentially the proto-Lord's prayer. And you'll see that as we read. Let's read together. David prays the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. You can be seated. So when a janitor cleans a restroom, it is a good and noble thing that they have done. When the president of 
a body, cleans the restroom, it is a surprising good and noble thing that he has done, or she. What I wanted you to see as we scaled out um, and saw how big everything is, um, Yahweh is greater than all of that, greater than everything that we can see, and he genuinely stooped as low as was possible for him in sending the sun to become one of the specks and to rescue all the rest. I think that we can only really appreciate what God has done when we understand his greatness, his glory, and his majesty. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you a sinner? About three of you are. I see those nods. I am. And when we were singing earlier and it talked about Christ dying for us, I was like, oh, I am not, I am not worthy of that. Of course not. That's what grace is. Um, and that's how he demonstrated his love for us. Hebrews 12 says this, that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why was Jesus generous? Well, it was obedience. We know that. In the garden, he said, I don't want to do this. But he submitted to the will of the Father. And there was joy on the other side of that. Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of his greatness and his majesty and the sacrifice of the Son and the Father and the Spirit breaking their fellowship, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our series is not about gathering or extracting money. It is about learning to be generous with our money, with our time, with our service, with our affection, with our prayer, with our texting, with cards. That's our reasonable response. Now what? First, perform a generosity self-appraisal. Ask God for help. Search me and know me, see if there's any wicked way in me. There's precedent for this. Ask God for help because we get blind to who we are and what our motives are. It is most likely that Yahweh will say, well, talk to your spouse. Talk to your parent, talk to your friend, talk to your accountability partner. Who will you ask for help? You could write it down right now in your book.
Secondly, ask Yahweh for help to see and act on opportunities. There are opportunities for generosity all around us every day, at your work, at your school, in your house, especially in our houses, in the dorm room. Ask Yahweh for help to see and act on on opportunities. That will usually take planning. We think generosity is supposed to spring fully, uh, fully formed from the head of Zeus, but it doesn't. It is something that we have to usually contemplate and gather resources and time and energy. Third, ask Yahweh for clarity on which opportunities to pursue. Ask Yahweh for help prioritizing opportunities because there are more opportunities than what you can handle. One of the curses of the internet is that it makes us aware of everything happening everywhere and lays on us this weight of response. Um, So let me give you some help prioritizing. Again, these notes are available to you. Nothing proprietary. Prioritize your family. 1 Timothy 5.8 starts with the family. You only have so much energy and generosity that can be used, prioritize your family. Second, prioritize believers, Galatians 6.10. Prioritize believers. Third, prioritize those who cannot repay you, Luke 14, 13, and 14. So family, believers, those unable to repay. Fourth, be generous when you don't feel like it and thank God for empowering that. We often, around our house, my wife and I talk about uh, God being so good in that it's very much like a toddler is trying to draw something and the parent reaches their arms around and helps them draw it, figure it out, helps them fold the towels that need to be folded and put away and they're done very poorly. But you help them and the things get done and then you say, thank you, Timmy, for your help. Way to go. Wow, Timmy couldn't have done anything without the help. But that's the way God is. God is at work both in us to both will and to do his good pleasure. God has foreordained good works for us to do that we should walk in them. And then he says, nice, let me reward you for that everlastingly. It's kind of ridiculous. But we're on the, uh, the, the uh, beneficial end of it. That's Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 2.10. You could write down if you want to. Finally, joyfully prayerfully steward the resources God has entrusted to you. Not just in the building campaign, but in all of the generosity of our lives, joyfully, prayerfully steward the resources that God has entrusted to you because you and I don't own anything. We own nothing. We cannot give to God. Uh, but we can steward his resources. Um, a guy in our, um, in like education, Josh Gibbs says this, God has stacked the deck in favor of love. 
which means the rules which govern charity are wonderful, and that means like love, uh, govern charity are wonderfully unreasonable and magnificently unfair. We live in an upside down kingdom. God's kingdom doesn't make sense to the rest of the world and generosity makes no sense. Uh, but we know that when we are generous that we are laying up uh, treasure that can never be taken from us, that we're gonna draw the church together in love and that we will experience joy as a result. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the challenge that we have in front of us, um, that the um, pastors and elders have um, thought and believe that we have this project to do, and I pray that you would empower us to do that. Uh, but more, so much more importantly, I ask that you would be working in us to be generous uh, with our entire being, uh, our whole person, and that that would flow out in our homes, in our schools, in our businesses, uh, libraries, everywhere that we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Blessings on you. Have a great week in the Lord.